I'm going to be talking today on the realms to give you a little bit more of an explanation and understanding. And I think you'll find it both interesting and confusing. <laughs> I just want to clarify that right now. If you get confused, it's okay. Because it can be very confusing. And it can be a very mental process if you make it that way. If you sit and you just listen and glean the truth of what's going to be shared, it's easier than sitting and trying to figure it all out because you can't figure it all out. What I'm going to share with you is what I understand through my knowing, not through my mind. You know, it says in the Bible, seek first the kingdom of heaven and all else shall be given to you. What's the biggest, most important word in that phrase? It's seek. It doesn't say find God and all else shall be given to you. It doesn't say know God and all else shall be given to you. It doesn't say anything like that. It says seek first and all else shall be given to you. Well, I found that through my search for God, through my search for heaven, a lot has been given to me without me asking or having to obtain it through the mind. And so what I'm going to be sharing with you now is what I know in my knowing, not what I have learned in my mind. So for you, it might be rather confusing because I'm going to be taking you into a place that's very expansive and goes beyond the mind level. And yet, the mind will go, yeah, that makes sense. For the first time, I understand that. But it also can be very confounding. How come I don't know this? It's because you haven't acknowledged that you know it. What I know, you know. In the oneness, the knowing is the same. But we've let other people put their beliefs on us, and those belief systems have blocked us from our knowing. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to expand you beyond your belief systems, which can be a little bit awesome, a little bit uncomfortable for some people. But make that okay. Another way I also express is this. If I confuse you on a higher level, that's okay. I don't mind doing that. I don't want to confuse you on a physical level because you might go out and have an accident later. But let me confuse you on a higher level because one day that confusion will be your wisdom. It's like when you take and put a grain of sand into an oyster. That becomes an irritant inside that oyster. And it begins to work on that grain of sand until eventually you have a pearl. And so this irritation that I give you today hopefully will one day become the pearl of great price for you. I hope. <laughs> in the Bible it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so I'm going to explain to you right now what that's all about. What happened in the beginning? What happened in the moment of creation? And give you some understanding of what that is. And remember, this isn't truth per se. I mean, this isn't the end of it all. This is just a truth that I came to understand over the years of my looking for God, seeking for God. When I was a child, I always knew that there was something beyond God but I never could get anybody to explain to me what that was. When I would pray and I would go into God, I would always know that there was yet more beyond God. And I would go to church and I would ask the minister and I would ask the Sunday school teacher and I would ask my teachers at school and I would ask my parents. And I'd always get this funny look of, what? There is nothing beyond God. What do you mean beyond God? In order to begin to explain to you the principle of creation, from the moment of creation down to where we are today, 
I'm going to do that in an hour. <laughs> okay, so I have to put on fast speed here. <laughs> I'm going to begin at the beginning. And I'm going to begin in a place that is rather complicated to understand because you can't understand it with the mind. But I'll put words on it as best I can. And then you can go into your meditations and into your prayer and into your seeking and find out if it's true for you. Remember, this is just a truth that I'm presenting that I've gotten. And it may not be totally factual, true, as I put it out into words, because you can't put words on all this and really have it come out correct. But it's as close as I can get it right now. In the beginning, there was a place of just pure spirit. And at this level is the true oneness of all. In this... There are like cells of individualization, of knowing. And that's the only way I can put it, and it's a very bad description, and I don't know how else to put it, because there's no way to explain oneness and individualization all in one. But yet, it is there. And the way the oneness exists in these cells of individualization, the way that the oneness is known is the flow of loving. Loving is constantly flowing from one cell to the other. And it's through the loving that the oneness exists. At one point in time in these individualized cells of beingness, as the loving was flowing, one of the individualized cells said, I am. And it became aware of itself in the wholeness of things. And in that moment, the vibration of the cell of the I am presence when it began to be knowing of itself the vibration shook and slowed down just a little bit and as it slowed down it's moved down in frequency and became god if you will and at that point in time is when the i am presence if you will came into being the god consciousness that we know of as the true creator Now, at that point in time, once he said, I am, and he knew himself to be both individualized and at the same time one with the all, he began to see that he wanted to know more about this I am that he is. And at that point in time, then, he created the heavens and the earth. The heavens are the planes of spirit. And the earth, at that time, was the void. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was void and without form. It was formless. So now you have the perfect creation of spirit. And the the universe of spirit was perfect in the moment of its creation. But this was undeveloped as of yet. That which is called the earth in the Bible. It was void and without form. It was yet to be manifested. It was yet to come into creation. So at that point in time, God then sent forth aspects of himself out into his perfect creation to learn more about who he is in this new creation that he has created. Now this is all done through vibration, through frequency. It's hard to explain how it's done. You have to go into spirit to understand how spirit functions. It's very different from the physical universe that we experience in. God went out then and sent forth certain aspects of himself, such as love, peace, light, wisdom, truth, understanding, 
power, and I can't remember them all right now. But anyway, he sent out aspects of himself. One aspect of himself that he sent out is time and space. That's an aspect of God. Now, when time and space existed in the oneness, in the I am, and in the oneness of pure spirit, it was fine. But the moment time and space was separated from all the other aspects and was off onto itself, what happens with time and space? It warps on itself. So as soon as it was separated out of, not separate from God, but separated out of the aspects and became just an individualized part out here to go out into the spiritual universe to experience creation and to come more into the knowing of creation as God had put it forth in the spiritual universe, he began or it began to warp on itself. And in that time, as it began to warp on itself, it began to think of itself as equal to God not just a part of God. And so that part of God began to put demands on God, saying, I am God. I'm equal to you. Give me right to rule over this universe. Make me either a co-ruler or step down and let me be ruler of this universe that I now am in. And God said, wait a minute, this is my creation. You're only a part of the creation. You are not the creator and you are not the wholeness of the creation. As of yet, you don't even understand the wholeness of creation because you haven't gone through all of creation to experience it. But because this was warped on itself, it didn't hear that. All it knew is, I am the center of the universe. And if I am the center, then I must have created it all. So eventually, God in his wisdom realized that rather than continue this battle royal, if you will, between an aspect of himself and his true nature, he decided, okay, let's let him have his fun. Let's let time and space then discover what it is to be a ruler, to be a god. And so he sent time and space down into the void to create. He said, go, create your own universe. Create what you will down in the void and become the creator, become the god that you want to become. And so time and space went down that aspect of God went down into the void to begin a process of creation. So then we have the planes of pure spirit and we have the void. What happened was when time and space came down into this level, he immediately realized that he didn't know how to really create. God created through the light and the sound of the Holy Spirit going forward and breathing the great breath, if you will. But Time and space doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Time and space only has time and space. So he was really mystified as to, now I'm down here, now that I've got all this universe to create in, how do I create? Well, the Holy Spirit works through light and sound, through the positive light of spirit. It's a positive charge. And the whole of the spiritual plane is a positive charge, if you will. It's a positive existence. Well, time and space decided that if he doesn't have the Holy Spirit, he's going to have to create his own spirit. He's going to have to use his own spirit to go forth and create. And so he created what would be called the negative light or the magnetic light to create with. And it's a reflection. It isn't the true light of spirit. It's a reflection. 
And if you look at this universe, it is all a reflection. And it's an imperfect reflection of the true creation. So then, once he discovered how he was going to create down here, he also realized, I'm only going to have a limited amount of souls that are going to be coming into this realm. And once all of them have gone through here and gone out and have experienced what they needed to learn here and gone, I'm going to be alone here. <laughs> so I better create some traps here so that the souls that do come down into my realm have to stay here for a while so that they keep worshiping me and I'm their God. Because eventually, inevitably, these souls are going to realize that there is a light greater than mine somewhere beyond me. So I've got to create something where they don't know that. So he decided, well, look, we've got a void. What is a void? There is nothing here. Nothing. It's just a void. So he said, that's the great barrier. I'll keep a part of that void in existence. And so he did. He left a realm just below soul, which exists here. He left a realm just below soul called the void plane or the etheric. And there is nothing there. Absolutely nothing. There's a book that somebody asked me to read one time because they were so impressed with it. And it's supposed to be writings of Jesus coming through a channel. And so I picked it up and I read it and I flipped to like the second or third page. And it's supposedly Jesus talking about his existence in the many mansions of God and his travels through them. And he's talking and I realized right away that this was not Jesus that was coming through. And I think you'll recognize it once I share this with you. He begins talking about how he was in the mind and he was thinking of God because he knew that if he thought of God, he could know God. And as he was thinking of God, he realized that there was yet something beyond the mind that he needed to go into. And so he stepped out of the mind and into this next level, which he thought was God. And he says, and as I stepped into God, there was nothing. There was no thing. That's just how it is in the book. No thing at all. And as I stood in the nothingness, I stood there and I looked and I knew nothing. And at first it was quiet and it was comforting. And then it was frightening because there was nothing here. In God, there is nothing. I couldn't believe it, it says. There was no thing in God. I existed here for a time until it was so uncomfortable that I went back into the mind. And then I realized God is the mind. <laughs> and I'm going, oh, not my God, please. <laughs> I put the book down and I says, that's interesting. <laughs> but that's not the book I want to read. And that's something for you to look at. Be careful what you read because you take in a lot of information, a lot of knowledge that maybe isn't truth. But you walk around living that truth, thinking that it's true. So then he created the next level. And this is all done by just stepping down frequencies, just stepping them down. The next level is the mental. I'll put etheric up here just so you'll remember that that's the etheric level also. The mental level is the level of the mind. And we all know the mind because it never shuts up. <laughs> you can lay there in bed at night trying to go to sleep and you go, shut up, shut up. <laughs> I want to go to sleep. You sit there in meditation 
and you're trying to get quiet, and the mind's going, oh, let's go, let's, we've got to go to the grocery list. Oh, well, you know, the telephone's ringing, you better go answer it, because it might be the most important call. You may have just won a million dollars. Go answer it. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, it's the bill collector going, I need that million dollars. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so the mind is an energy that does exist, and it serves a great purpose, but it also can be a great enemy. What you want to do is to make it your friend and not your enemy. The first thing to do is to accept that the mind can be of great service to you and recognize that it can serve you. It can also be a great enemy because it can block you from finding out who you really are. Because in the mind is where you store a lot of the mental concepts that you have been given or that you have taught yourself over the years. And the mind just plays them back, just continually plays them back. Now, you may have heard something 15 years ago that at that moment you thought that was true. That's true about me. I believe that. Now you don't believe that, but the mind doesn't know that. The mind says, wait a minute, right over here, we've got this little block up here, and if we open it up, look, you're stupid. <laughs> and you go, oh, that's right, I'm stupid. <laughs> the mind doesn't know that you're not stupid anymore. The mind in this little ticky-tacky box up here that you play stupid in says, you're stupid. <laughs> so you've got to remember that the mind is both a trap, an enemy, and a friend. Because you can go into the mind and you can release all of those boxes. You can open them up and go, oh, let's get rid of that one, <laughs> and open up the other ones and free yourself of a lot of stored thoughts that you've taken on, belief systems. How many belief systems do you live by today that aren't true, but yet you still believe them? We would. <laughs> do we really let go of them if we know that they're not true? How many of you would still like a Santa Claus to exist? <laughs> the child in me would love a Santa Claus to bring the car I want under the tree when I want it. <laughs> you have to realize that there are a lot of belief systems that we don't even recognize, we don't even acknowledge inside, that we've got to go back inside and acknowledge and decide whether or not we want to believe them. That's what meditation is about. It's an opportunity to go inside and to let those things go that come up. And one way to do it is to work in the mind, to go into the mind and acknowledge that there is a lot of value there and there is a lot of garbage there and let go of the garbage and hold on to the value. It's interesting, when you rise above the mind and get into the etheric level, you all of a sudden you can look down and you just see this mind energy just chattering all over the place. But for the first time you can go, ha ha, <laughs> you don't bother me anymore. <laughs> And it's such a freeing sensation to get above the mind. I can't explain it any other way than that. The mind, if you want to look at it from the physical body, the mind sits right behind the eyes, right back here. And in meditation, then, you want to focus above the mind. You want to hold your attention in the two chakra centers, if you will, both the brow and the crown chakra, up here, where the seat of the soul is. You don't want to hold it here or anywhere below the body. Because if you do, you're going to get caught up in the body, the emotions, or the mind. But the moment you move above the mind, there's such an openness and such a freedom. And it's so much fun to look down and just go, ha ha, you don't have me anymore. <laughs> but 
time and space, which in uh, Sanskrit is called Kalnarinjan, time and space knew that the mind would be the greatest of traps. He knew that as the soul moved down into the etheric and got into the mental, that once he tasted the mind's energy and its activity and its wanting to know, it would be tempted to stay here and try to know more. Because remember, God sent forth aspects of himself to know more of his creation. And one of the aspects he sent forth is you, that divine spark, that soul, to go out into his creation to find out more about himself. And through each of us living in our own individual lives and having our own unique experiences and gleaning that information and taking it back to the soul, eventually that energy of awareness will leave the soul and go back into God and God will know himself more fully than ever before because of what you have experienced as a soul. And so it gets down to the mental and it goes, oh good, now here's an opportunity to really know something. <laughs> and that's the trap. Because no matter what you do here in the way of asking and getting answers, there's always, yeah, but, well, why is this? Well, tell me more. And the mind just keeps on going like this. And you find that that's the trap here. There's no answer. There's always the next question. So realize that when you're in your meditation, you want to get above the mind and be aware you're never going to get the mind to be quiet. <laughs> There's a lot of meditations out there that say you have to get the mind still and quiet before you can get anything else. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> the next level is the causal, which is the emotional level. And this is just a realm of pure emotion. Pure emotion. I don't know what else to say about that other than it's just pure emotion. If you don't know what emotion is, <laughs> you may be lucky, you may not be, I don't know. <laughs> There's anything and everything in the way of emotional senses come from this level and are found on this level. Now it's interesting too that in this level is where you find the Akashic Record. The Akashic Record is a record of reflection and recording. It is where a lot of, where, where, no, let alone, where everything that ever has happened is recorded at this level. You know, when the Bible does talked about the angel of recording, writing in the book of life, well, there's an energy in this Akashic record, in the emotional level, where everything is just recorded, and you can rise up into it and see a lot of what has happened in creation, what has happened in, in the physical universe. This is just a reflection, though, of yet a greater record keeper, if you will, in spirit, where everything is recorded. All the truth is there. This is just a reflection of what happens. It isn't really accurate. So a lot of times when you have people reading the Akashic Record, you're getting reflections of, well, it might have happened this way. It's not always the perfect truth. So you have to be careful with people doing Akashic readings or record readings like that because... It may be close to the truth, but it's not going to be the exact accurate truth usually. So the realm of, of the emotion is where you find all your emotions, your love, your peace, your anger, your hatred. And it's interesting to, to rise up into this level because it is very emotional. And at this level, when you begin rising up into it, as you begin to travel out of your body in these different realms, you'll get here and you'll move into a place that is so loving and so wonderful, you almost think you've finally found God. 
when really what you've done is you've moved into a level of pure loving in the emotional level. And for the first time, you may know what pure love is, but it isn't really the perfect love. But in the physical level, it is a place of pure love. Also, in the causal level is where you find the masters of hierarchy. If anybody knows what the masters of hierarchy is, they're also called the White Brotherhood. Kudhumi, Maitreya, Moria, all of these different ones. And they exist in the causal level for the most part. And I'll try to explain that a little bit later if I can. The next level then is the etheric. Oh, I'm sorry, the etheric. Huh? <laughs> the uh, astral. I must be back in my nothingness again. <laughs> the astral level is, is the level of creative imagination. And this is a very, very unusual place to be. People often ask me, have you gone to see this movie? Oh, do you want to go see this movie? Well, I don't want to go see movies that much because you can go here and see much better movies <laughs> and much more frightening movies than, than you can hear. Anything and everything that's ever been imagined exists in the astral level. But even in a more frightening way, if you will, because it's very real there. And it exists as long as energy is fed into it. When the energy is taken away from it, then it begins to dissipate and go back into the nothingness. But there is a lifetime that goes on with that. It takes a while for it to dissipate. And so when I was a child and I used to go out of my body at night to travel on these different levels, I hated this place. <laughs> for the most part, that's where the monsters are. That's where things you can't imagine, but yet have been imagined by somebody, reside there. The darker region of this area is right along you know, of course, in the lower vibrational pattern down in here. And as you get up into the higher regions, it's lighter and lighter. And each level of existence, soul, etheric, mental, causal, astral, and physical, they're frequencies. They're different frequencies. And as the frequency is stepped down, it becomes another level. Well, within the level itself, there's different levels of frequency. So there's, there's more concentrated denser areas, and then there's lighter frequency areas at other places in the causal or astral or so on. So right at the lower frequency of the astral level, it is very dark, very gloomy, and there's a region which you would call hell. There really is a region which you would call hell. And the souls go into this region, and they exist by themselves in darkness. It's like being in nothingness, just darkness, and they feel condemned there. They exist there until finally one day they decide that they don't want to be here anymore. And all of a sudden, a light shines above them. And they look and they go, oh, look, there's something here. And if they will just choose to move into the light in that moment, they can go out of that which they have put themselves in, their own hell, and begin moving up into higher regions. So you do have a level which is like hell. And there are places in that region that is full of brimstone and fire, if that's what the individual believes. There's a place of total darkness, total isolation. It's just a very strange place. But it's not a place where you're condemned forever, because remember, you're a divine spark of God. So why would God condemn himself into that place forever? His ultimate goal is to get you back to himself in oneness and in knowing of all that you've experienced, so that he knows himself more fully. So why is he going to leave a part of himself out in this place of darkness and nothing? 
Oh, I will share this too. As you get higher into the astral level then, you begin to find the realms of heaven. Some people talk about the summer land. Some people talk about heaven. Some people talk about paradise. Some people talk about purgatory. These all exist in this realm of heaven. That's astral. That's creative imagination. It's wonderful to go into some of these places and walk around and see people's concepts of heaven. And there is a place that does have the pearly gates and does have a man standing out there who calls himself St. Peter. He isn't really St. Peter, <laughs> but he calls himself that because that's, he's an imagination. He's, he's creative. He doesn't even really exist. He's an imaginary form that exists there and, and lets you go in. There's pearly gates. There's gold on the streets. I mean, it's, it's an amazing place. There's one place that's a Jewish sort of paradise it's fun to go in there because they're still mentalizing on God and they're still debating on, on all the laws and the theories. <laughs> and it's fun to go in there because there's a lot of wisdom. I mean, they come up with so much you know, wisdom on this level, on the physical level. It's not so much spiritual wisdom necessarily, but it feels so wise in there. It's fun just to sit there and, and be in this. But it is more of a mental thing. And that's something to look at too. In each level just to confuse you a little bit more. <laughs> okay, in each level you have an astral, a causal, a mental, an etheric, and a soul level. It's only in the physical that you have a physical level. <laughs> and the physical level probably is the most important level of all these levels. The reason being that the soul can experience more in the physical level in a very short time than it can experience on any of these other levels. Because at the physical level, you don't have just the physical, but you also have an astral level, a causal level, a mental level, a etheric level, and a soul level. So on the physical level, you can experience all of these in one body. Where here, 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 and here, you can't. Because you don't have a physical level in any of those levels. And the physical level is the most extreme part or the outer part of the creation. It's the most dense part of this creation of the physical universe that Colin Arrington has created. So the physical level is the place that all souls want to be because in the physical body you can experience emotion, you can experience creativity, you can experience the mind, you can experience the unconscious of the void all in one body, all at one time and work all those levels together. And in that process, you can create more karma for yourself on the physical as well as on all these other levels. Or you can undo it on all these levels through this physical body at the same time. That's what meditation is about. It's a process of going into this body and begin to work those different levels inside of you so that you begin to free yourself of the karma that's created on all these levels, inside of yourself and outside of yourself. And so what I'm saying here is there is an inner universe and there is an outer universe. The inner universe is where you find in the physical level that you have astral, causal, mental, etheric, and soul on the physical level. And on the outer universe, you can leave the physical body and travel through the astral, the causal, the mental, the etheric, and soul. Now it's interesting because in the outer universe, God is God. God is the ruler. God is the creator. And God is the ultimate one who says yes or no. But in the physical, down here, in the inner universe, you are God. You are the creator. That's where the divine spark in you gets to learn what it is to be the creator. And that's where the divine spark in you can go inside 
and begin to work the energies for your benefit and begin to show you what it is to be a creator. You can create what you want in your life, is what I'm saying. And this is, in the inner universe, is where God has given you permission to go inside and create what you want. Imagine it, feel it, think it, and become it physically. Now, a lot of us really misuse this inner universe a lot. We place judgments in there. We place hatreds in there. We place anxiety in there. And God goes, well, that's interesting. Look what he's creating for himself. And then you go, God, take this anxiety away from me. And God goes, I didn't give it to you. I can't take it away. You created it. You undo it. You're the creator in there. I'm not. So you go into your creation and create what you want and undo what you don't want. And that's where the level of responsibility lies, right there. That's the word we're so afraid of because we don't understand what responsibility is all about. The thing we're most responsible for is for our creations. And where we are creating is in this inner universe of the body, of the imagination, of the emotion, and of the mind, and in the unconscious. So be responsible in there. Be responsible in your inner creation, in that inner universe, as to what you create. And the more you are responsible, and the more you place into creation what you want for yourself, goodness, loving, health, well-being, abundance, nurturing, you'll have it. And the more you do that, the more you begin to understand God and the true creator and how he did create and why he did create. Does that make sense? Now, what happens when the soul decides, well, let's go into the time and space realms and let's go in there and discover what that's all about now. We've gone and we've experienced power. and We've gone and experienced the realms of light. and We've gone and experienced the realms of patience. Now let's go into time and space and see what that's all about. Well, the soul doesn't realize that this is a trap. <laughs> all those others in, in the perfect place of spirit, you can go in, you can experience it, and move on out and go into the next level of, of creation to experience it. But when you get down here, Kalmar Engine has created the great trap of the mind, and then you're stuck. You're going, oh, well, maybe I would go down here and I can find out why. Oh, God, look at those feelings. Oh, <laughs> now I know why. Now I better go find out what to do with them. So I go down here. Oh, well, I see. Now I begin to create with my imagination what I think is the answer to the thought and the emotion that I have going. And the only place I can find out how to manifest the imagination is to go down to the physical to manifest what I've just imagined. And all of a sudden I found out that I've gone through all the levels of creation that Kalner Engine has created. And I find out as I get down here that there's a lot of laws in this universe that God doesn't have in his other universes. One of those laws is that for everything that you do, you have to bring into balance. For every action, there's a reaction. So for every breath you take in of life that Colonel Ringen has given you, you owe him for that moment of life. Now, how are you ever going to pay all those breaths back? <laughs> Well, just stop breathing right now, hold your breath, and you won't owe any more. <laughs> That's one way to do it. <laughs> the only thing is, you've got millennia, possibly, of lives and of no telling how many billions of breaths you've taken that you still owe him for. So guess what? He's going to say, yeah, but you still got to go down there and pay me off. 
You can't get out that easy. You can't just hold your breath down and say, well, I won't cure anymore, and then I won't owe you anymore, and maybe he'll let me go. He goes, no, I gave you a dollar, you give me a dollar back. I don't ask for any interest, I just want an even exchange. I want everything balanced. Well, when you begin to look into the thing further, you realize you didn't just create debts to him on the physical, you also have debts to him on the astral, the causal, the mental. And all of a sudden you go, this is overwhelming. <laughs> how do I do this? I don't even know how to take care of myself on this level. Every time I think I'm doing good, something else comes along and shows me that I just created a new karmic pattern for myself. What do I do? How do I get free? And this can be very overwhelming when you finally recognize that inside of the debt that you really do owe. It can be very frightening. And that's usually when the soul in that awareness begins to realize, hey, this isn't really God after all. Whoever created this and whoever put this on me, that's not God. What am I worshiping him for? I better go find another God, <laughs> greater than this God, that I can worship and maybe get free of. <laughs> another law that he put into action is the law of re-embodiment or reincarnation. He put that there to give us an opportunity to come back and keep on paying back what we owe him. Because we have to have the opportunity to pay him back. If we don't have the opportunity, how are we ever going to get it paid back? So we can re-embody on all these different levels at any given time. And we always have bodies on these levels. We just aren't always focused fully in, in all the levels. Like right now, you're physically focused. So that's where your awareness is, and that's where you're working out most of your creative, imaginative karmas. One day you may wake up, you may leave the physical body and find yourself in the astral and the causal. They're more focused. And they're then working off your karma at that level. So what you find then is you decide, well, I'm going to get spiritual. I'm going to begin really getting spiritual, really begin looking for this path of freedom, this path away from this karma, away from this indebtedness, away from this reincarnation. Because I'm tired of this place. I'm tired of reincarnating all the time. I'm tired of owing somebody I can't even see and having to pay it off. I don't even know what it is I'm supposed to pay off for sure. So we begin to search out spiritual paths, and sometimes it's through church, religion of some kind, sometimes it's through philosophy. But we begin to hear about all this light. You know, if you just follow the light, if you wake up to the light, be in the light, place yourself in the light. And so we go, it must be the light. I'll do the light. Okay, the light. Let's do the light. I'll meditate on the light. I'll go into the light. I'll become the light. I'll be the great light. And so we begin to pursue the path of light. Now, here's the trick. Colin Arendian also created what's called the 12 churches, or the 12 yugas, or yogas, rather. These 12 are different principles and philosophies and religions that exist in the world. They're different pathways of religion, if you will, that he created. And they're all based on light. And they all lead you into a great light, the great light of the spirit, the great light of you, not the soul now, but there's all these different terms that it talks about going into the light. After Kalnarinjan created the 12 yogas, the 12 churches of light, God then said, okay, finish with your creation, it's done. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to create the 13th. And the 13th is the light and the sound. And I will be allowed 
to enter into your creation. I will not impose myself, but I will enter into your creation, and I will just be there as this 13th church, if you will. And I will enter through the Holy Spirit, and I will not even impose myself as pure spirit. I will attach the Holy Spirit to your magnetic light, and I will exist there in your realms. And I will just be there as the light and the sound. And when the soul is ready, they can choose into the light and the sound and go back up into soul and go back up into spirit when they are truly ready or when you, Kalnarinjan, deem them ready to be freed from you. So here we are and we're meditating and we're doing all this light and I'm following the light and I'm going after all these different churches of light and seeking understanding of the light. And I get, whoops, I don't get up that high. <laughs> I get right up here into the etheric level. And right up here is what I call the lake of reflection. Some people call it the cosmic mirror. And it's like a wall of shimmering lights. And it reflects everything of light from all the lower universe. And it reflects it back down again. And as you get close up to it, you all of a sudden see your own face and you think, oh gosh, there's God. <laughs> I found it. I'm God. I'm one with God now. And as you go up into it, you follow the light and the light begins to reflect down and you just go right back down again, following the light. And so you're going up and down and around and around <laughs> on this light circle. God will not impose his will on you. He will not come over and take your hand and say, okay, come on, kid, we're going home. God comes over and he says, Here's a gift. If you want to open it, you might find it something that you really want. And you open it, and it's grace. And it's the grace to move into the light and sound and go back home to God. And you open it up, and you go, Oop, I'm not worthy of this. <laughs> Where did this come from? I think this is for somebody else. Who, who wants grace? And God goes, No, that's your gift. You know, do you want to keep it? See, that's your choice. Do you want to keep God's grace in your life? What I've done is I've always chosen, every day I choose back into God's grace. And I just give thanks that God gave me grace. And that's what grace is. Grace is that which will lift you back into God. It's that action of the Holy Spirit that comes forward to take you home, to take your hand and lift you up. Now, this grace manifests on each level. And so each level, it takes on a body, if you will so that those beings on each level can relate to that grace that is present in that world, in that level of existence. And so you'll find bodies on each level, beings, if you will, souls on each level manifesting this grace into that level, offering it to those on that level that are ready and willing to choose back into the grace of God and go home. And so too on the physical level, you will find those few that do exist on this level of earth that have physical embodiments and have lived and raised themselves into soul and have chosen to come back and embody the grace. And through the Holy Spirit empowering them, they can give you the keys of the kingdom to go back home. You know, when Jesus was ready to leave this earth, he gave Peter the keys of the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom are the five names of God. And so... You have five names of God that an individual will give you that you then work inside to become free and then liberated. These keys are the names of God. 
each one representing a sound for each level. And as you get the key for that level, you can go into that level and you can walk in there and you just hold that sound before you and Colin engine can't touch you. You walk in there and you go, I'm here to free myself of my karma on this level. <laughs> <laughs> and Colin engine goes, all right, go ahead. <laughs> he can't touch you because you have the key to the kingdom. Where before, when you're doing the light, Colin just says, okay, go ahead, you know. Just go ahead and create more karma for yourself. You're not going to get out of here anyway. Just keep on doing the light. That's fine. Over here, when you go with the sound, with the key of the kingdom, he just backs off and says, whoops, I'm losing one. <laughs> He's got a key. He's going on. Eventually, as you work all these five sounds, these names of God, you begin to create a pathway of freedom for yourself through these different realms. And you begin to walk what's called the straight and narrow path. That's the path of neutrality. That's the path that leads you back into the loving heart. That's what I was talking about last night. That place of neutrality, that place of oneness, that place of peace and loving. And at first, it's like a little thread. But if you work it, you can expand it until it's very large and encompassing and takes in your whole world. Once you have begun to work this, you can rise up into the soul. And you do it anyway, but you aren't aware of it. You know, what do you think we're really trying to do when we're existing in all these levels? What you're really trying to do is you're just trying to wake up. You're trying to wake up to who you really are up here. It's called wake up. <laughs> Time to wake up, folks. The alarm's going off. <laughs> so wake up. Once you wake up and you find yourself in soul, you realize all the time that you've been there. You realize all the time that you have been in soul, but you just haven't allowed yourself because of all that you created down here to know it and to be it. In soul, you then find that you do have the soul body, just as you have bodies on each of these levels. But the problem is these bodies are limited. Your physical body can only walk around in the physical planes of existence. I mean, it can't jump up into the astral and walk around in the astral. Might be fun if you could, but you can't. The astral body can move around in the astral level and in the physical level, but it can't go into the causal or up above. The causal can be in the causal, astral, or physical, but it can't go above that. But the soul body, it can go into all these realms. And so what you do then, once you have reached into soul and obtained soul, awareness, you've woke up to who you are, you can then go down and begin to work the levels even more so. Work yourself even freer of your karmas on this level. Now this is all done through meditation. Meditation is a pathway back into soul. I found that there's three paths that lead you ultimately to soul. The greatest one is meditation. It's meditation, study, and service. But meditation is the greatest of these because with meditation you know where you're going, you know where you've been, you know what you've done. You could be doing great service in the world with great love all of your life, but never know that you've obtained soul or not until the day you lay down and die and then you wake up and go, oh, I did it. <laughs> in meditation, each day you can die the little death daily. You can pull the consciousness up to the top of the head and go out in your soul body 
and know who you are and where you really are. So that when the greater death comes, you just go, oh, I'm leaving the body again. Good. And this time I don't have to come back. Good. <laughs> and you go on and you anchor and you live in soul. And you look up from there, you look down and you go, I don't have to go there anymore, but now I can go home. Now I'm really free. I've done it. I've gleaned all the experience. I've learned all the lessons. I understand creation at this level of time and space. And now I can go on. Now I'll show you something real interesting. That when I was giving a lecture up in New York, it came forward. Remember how we were talking about spiritual exercise last night? Well, spiritual exercise is active meditation. It's a process of going inside, of focusing, one-pointed focus, concentration, contemplation, and moving into meditation. But active meditation by chanting the five names of God and just chanting them inside. But chanting them in the way that they're focused up here and through the chanting you just give your love to God and share your love with God. And then sharing your love with God through saying His names over and over in repetition and then stopping and listening to see if the sound is coming in to take you out. You also are creating a place where God can come and share His love with you. And you do really realize that you've created a garden where God can come and be with you and share with you and answer any and all questions that you ever could have. And it's always the same answer. You know, I love you. That's the answer. It's just that easy. You go up and you say, well, how do they build the Empire State Building? He goes, you know, I really love you. <laughs> and you go, oh, okay, I understand that. <laughs> and in what he says in that moment, you just know how it was done. And there's no more answers to be brought forward. Now, it's interesting. I was talking about spiritual exercise one day up in New York. And when we were looking at this, and you know what an anagram is? It's where you take and you shuffle, mix up all the letters, and it's up to you to figure out what the word is. Well, it's interesting. I'll show you this. This will make the kid inside of you go, yeah, now I know what this place is all about. This answers just exactly what we're doing here. And you're going to... I can't believe I didn't see it earlier, but you see it when you see it. <laughs> okay, so we have, we have the soul level, we have the etheric, we have the mental, the causal, the astral, and the physical. Now, if you take and look at that as an anagram, you have S-E-M-C-A-P. I'll break it down real quick for you. S-E-C-A-M-P. Spiritual exercise camp. That's what this place is. <laughs> so daddy just put us in camp for a while. <laughs> Have you written your homesick letters yet? <laughs> so now that you understand where you're at, and you understand this is just a camp and we're just playing, and that Daddy hasn't abandoned us and isn't going to leave us here forever, that one day He is going to come and get us to take us home. Enjoy it. Play in it. <laughs> Have fun in it. Because it's just a camp. And if you do your spiritual exercises, you find out that it is a camp. And it does become just that fun and just that easy. I mean, you can't spell it out any better than that. <laughs> So I thank you very much.